Welcome to the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update. It's your host, Robert Hunt. Where I look at the week's financial news, that can be a bit confusing, misleading, and take you off course and help to make it actionable, understandable, and clear. Have some excellent articles that have been dug up for this week. We're digging into, yes, the Financial Times. A rare find, but yes, Financial Times, and then two Wall Street Journal articles. Financial Times, we're going to be looking at a financial storm bearing down on U.S. commercial real estate. There are some lessons that you and I can take from this and apply to our own situations. We're then going to take a look at Wall Street Journal article talking about dividend-paying stocks being spurned as AI booms. Hmm, what once was a hot trade is no longer. And then in our final article, we are going to and this is just a bizarre one, but it bears mentioning. Title, Complex Fund Names May Be a Warning Sign for Investors. Huh. I thought this was kind of a fun academic thing that we can learn from, but sometimes the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update is ahead of the Wall Street Journal, most of the time, actually. And that article is one, one example of that. So I want to start here at the top, Financial Times. Financial storm bears down on U.S. commercial real estate. Long-awaited reckoning arrives as building loans come due at time of scarcer credit. Now, this is actually an article a week or so ago, but talks about New York. So the 20-story tower at 529 Fifth Avenue stands out from the other buildings around Grand Central Station. For its surreal pink designs, an Alice in Wonderland-inspired art exhibit, but it's also one of the few towers that have changed hands in uh, Manhattan, and it's starting to show just what sort of write-down these buildings are having to take, these sellers. So Silverstein Properties sold the building three months ago for $105 million. That was less than a plot of land across the street commanded in 2015. Okay, so just to give you an idea of what's happening here, in 2015 you could buy the dirt, 2015, it cost that dirt cost more than what this total building costs today. So, the quote here is In New York, buildings are selling for less than the value of the land they sit on, said Will Silverman, managing director at East Hill Secured. We are seeing prices lower than they have been in 20 years in absolute dollar terms. They're adjusting for inflation there. So, what's happening? Why is this occurring? How does this affect you in any way? Well, a long-anticipated, the article writes, a long-anticipated reckoning is underway in the U.S. commercial property industry. Sharply rising rates, you know about that. A regional banking crisis, if you've listened for a number of weeks, you know about that. The curtailed credit and trends toward remote work are all wrecking havoc. Older office buildings have borne the brunt of the downturn, the article says, but other real estate categories have not been spared. So, if you're not an investor in commercial real estate, why do you even care? Why do I care? Now, some of you may be. Many of you, I know, are involved in the commercial real estate industry, so you, you care deeply and you, you know about this. This is not a surprise to you. What could have happened here, right? You remember the old RHF financial market update maximum, keep those costs low, investing simple, time horizon long? Well, Sometimes you can do all those things and it still doesn't work out for you. 
And sometimes you can do two of those things and it's still... So investing simple, well, that you can buy an office building and it's actually pretty simple. Um, here's an example. Blackstone, the famous private equity group, Stephen Schwartzman, the CEO. 1330 Avenue of the Americas. The Midtown property was recently sold by Blackstone and RXR for $320 million, a third less than the price it commanded in 2006. So this is a... Can you imagine? They're keeping their time horizon pretty long here. Right? Who can blame them? 2006 to present. So you're, you're 17 years or so-ish. And what happened? They lost a third of the value. They held it for all that time. And they kept their investing simple. All they're doing is buying a building. And they kept their cost low. They kept their cost low. It's, it's, it's Blackstone. It's not the LPs. It's, it's not the investors. This is actually Blackstone. We're not even talking about fees right now. And they, they got in trouble. So every little phrase like that is going to have its exceptions. Now, it, it would have gone worse have gone worse for many of these people had they and, and there are examples here in this article where hey the, it was the investment was simple time horizon was not long and that usually results in a wipeout here there's some value retained even though it hurts a lot and then with any investing if i could add something keep it diversified and blackstone says they did as much so they they're quick to point out of this article they say oh wow we're blackstone said traditional u.s office are less than 2% of its global portfolio, down from more than 60% in 2007, as it intentionally pivoted to other sectors. So, good for them. Um, but for you and I, we're not like Blackstone, where we're using other people's money to buy buildings all over the world. So if we take a write-down on 17 years, it's not that painful for them. Now, it could be for the individual investors, but hopefully they're in a fund. But for, but for you and I, anytime we start stacking these asterisks by, by these investments, and in this instance, for the folks that did keep their time horizon short, it's a zero. And, for, and I'll add, I think complexity here, debt structure can be kind of a, a part of complexity. If you have a complicated debt structure, or even a debt structure, maybe complicated is not the right word, but it's just, um, it's not favorable for long-term holds. So you had floating rate debt that had some balloon payment, meaning the lender um, was expecting a whole slug of money at like year five or year three. Well, that's not long-term. That's not long-term. So you and I can can look at this and say, okay, we're, we're no smarter than the folks at Blackstone. We need to be diversified. Diversification can be made fun of because it's certainly a hedge against ignorance. Diversification is an admission that you're ignorant. It's an admission that I'm ignorant. Why do I diversify? Primarily because I'm ignorant. I don't know. If I, if I knew which stock or which building was going to perform best over the next 20 years, I wouldn't touch an index fund. I wouldn't touch a... I wouldn't do anything diversified. I'd just put all my chips in one basket. Ah. But our North Star... Jack Bogle was quick to remind us, don't f try to find the needle in the haystack, buy the whole haystack. And this, this commercial real estate shakeout that is in the first or second inning, this article says, 
is going to really expose a lot of folks who did not keep that time horizon long. But I'd also say it's going to hurt folks who did all things that they were supposed to do. And you just hope, you just hope they're diversified enough where it doesn't take too much of a slug. So investing has risk. We can, we can try to line things up the right way, keep that, those costs low, investing simple time horizon long. But guess what? If you bought that building in 2006 in Manhattan, you lost money holding for almost 20 years now. All right. That didn't work. It didn't work. And that can happen sometimes. That's why, that's why there's a return premium over U.S. Treasuries. So anytime someone tells you, oh, yeah, this is a risk. Hey, this is a risk-free deal, man. This is a can't-miss thing. I would have thought solid office building in Manhattan that Blackstone likes would have been pretty much can't miss and it would have been awful. So humility, humility, humility. We've got to have it investing or else we're just going to run into all sorts of trouble. Dividend, Wall Street Journal, dividend paying stocks spurned as AI booms by Hardika Singh. Subheadline, the shares have suffered their worst first half performance relative to non-pair since 2009, as investors now see greater promise in growth-focused tech stocks that don't typically pay dividends. Now, why do I bring this article up? Well, I have clients, and I think about it myself, by the way, I'm not immune to this, who are not just clients of friends, associates, watering hole type people, who want to rotate into all sorts of strategies. When I give them my plain vanilla advice, which is ruthlessly effective, I might add, that says just own the whole market on a market capitalization weighted basis, meaning we're going to own each stock according to its size, meaning Apple, we're going to own the most of, Microsoft, and then all down the line, and own smaller amounts of smaller companies. That simple, simple, simple setup, people's eyes glaze over, and they want to they want, hey, why don't I focus on dividend-paying stocks? I read a, people will read some research report say, well, dividend stocks did a really good job in this type of market, and well, it generates a little more income. I want more income. It's really hard to stick with these strategies. My experience is most humans do not, and you and I are most humans. So this article explains the NASDAQ composite, mostly tech stocks, ended the first half up 32% while the S&P 500 rose 16%. At the top of the leaderboard were gross stocks such as Facebook parent Meta, platforms, and Tesla, which more than doubled, and retail titan Amazon.com, which added 55%. So the stocks, and just to, just to slice it a different way, the stocks in the S&P 500 that don't pay a dividend have collectively gained about 18% in 2023, according to Ned Davis Research, outpacing a 4% advance by income-generating companies, these dividend pairs. So if you're, if you're all in on the dividend pairs, I'm going dividend pairs, I like, I like these simple companies, you're up 4%. Well, the other side is up 18%. Now, you may be tough. You may think, hey, I can stick with this, Robert. I don't care. I'll stick with my dividend pairs. What about over two years? What about over five years? These, these lagging periods can take a long time. And there are a whole host of reasons why this happens. And there, there may be a day when the dividend pairs outpace the non, and that does happen. But what's happening right now, uh, according to Ed Clissold, economic growth has been positive but low, so investors have piled into a few companies that they think can deliver growth. People aren't buying AI stocks, artificial intelligence stocks, because they're excited about their dividend. There's been a sharp decline in regional bank stocks, 
these they list Zion's bank corpse declined 44% this year. Uh, Comerica and Citizens have dropped 35% and 32%. Occidental Petroleum's declined 6.1%. ExxonMobil's dropped 1.2%. Valero Energy slumped 6%. And this, I think, is the main reason is now, if you or I want yield, we just want a cash yield. We've got so much money, we just want yield. Well, when interest rates were 1%, you could rotate into a dividend-paying index and get 5% or 4%. Well, now money market funds are 5%. So people are pulling their money and they're saying, I'll just buy U.S. treasuries or put it in money market funds. Do not try to play this game rotating in and out of various categories. It doesn't work. I've never met anyone who does it successfully. Sadly, folks from brand-named institutions that you've heard of, that people that wear thick ties work at, they will advocate for this sort of craziness where we're going to try to predict the interest rate movements and what sectors will do and rotate your money in and out of these sectors and don't do it. Doesn't work. Who could have predicted that? Who could have predicted um, that office building in Manhattan being worth so much less than it was? Who could, who could predict interest rates would have popped and dividend-paying stocks? Don't, don't, don't buy the dividend index. Just buy the plain vanilla index. If you need income, people tell what route I need income. I need Just sell a little bit of your stocks. And guess what? You'll owe less in taxes. It is more tax efficient to simply own the index and just sell a portion of it. I call that synthetic yield. This is the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update trademarked phrase, synthetic yield. Great. If you, if you want 4% yield, 5% yield, and the stock market's only 2%, looks like we're going to be selling 2% or 2.5% to create a synthetic yield. Yay! Did you know that you're not going to do worse because of that? There's no magic behind dividend. It's like, they, that's your cash. They're paying you. They can either keep the cash on the company books or they can shoot it out to your checking account. That money's still yours. But the IRS sees it when it hits your checking account. So I thought this was a fun one. Uh, complex fund names may be a warning sign for investors. The more wordy your fund name, the worse it does, says a professor who ran the numbers. But the reason isn't clear. This is Derek Horstmeyer. When it comes to names of New mutual funds, more is often less. This is We could have told them this would happen, but oftentimes it's good to let the researchers figure it out on their own. We decided to look at it whether fund name complexity relates at all the performance of the fund. We found the more complex a fund name, the lower its pre-tax and post-tax returns compared with returns of similar types of funds with similar names. Now, <clears throat> one thing they did here is they omitted all index funds because they said, well, index funds are so simple that it really wouldn't help. And what you and I both know is uh, index funds beat everyone over a 20-year period. I say everyone. They beat 95% of the funds. But what I, I thought, this is kind of bizarre data. And, I, and this, this, this data could have gone against us, class, and I still would have said it doesn't mean a, like a difference. Complex is bad. But what's happening here is the more complex the name, I think, the more expensive. You can justify charging more because it sounds it sounds difficult to pull off. If you've got the you know East China semiconductor fund, green fund, it's got four different overlays and they're scrubbing for data and they're ensuring they get the right security. Well yeah, that you can you'll be able to charge more and fees are the name of the game, as you know.
So they went through all these various asset categories and they show that, yeah, generally speaking, the more complex a name that they measure by some, I guess, number of characters or something, that here is our, we found that the median returns of the non-complex groupings exceeded those of the complex groupings for the past 10 years. The data also suggests that the results hold over the 50-year period. Okay? So, and, and it's true. I just see, oh, well. The average difference was 0.37 percentage points. Um, sometimes the difference was 0.47 percentage points, but this is a material difference. This is uh, Derek Horstmeyer, a professor of finance at George Mason University Business School. And the lesson for us, class, is that this is, a, this is kind of a comedic article in my mind because, okay, yeah, the name. What's, what's in a name? Shakespeare taught us to say, well, complexity, complexity. It doesn't work. I was watching YouTube videos of a car mechanic, and he just kept hammering home the same truths that I seek to on this podcast. He said, oh, these BMWs, I see them all the time, and they have all these problems. It's complexity, complexity, complexity. Each year, the engineers want to try something new, something new, and it just doesn't doesn't seem to work. Over time, something breaks. And the same thing is true of our investment plans. The more we try to make them complex, the more stuff breaks on them. And the financial industry is never going to stop promoting complexity. Um, so don't fall for it. And then a bonus for those of you listening to the end. This happens sometimes, the RHF market update. Didn't tease at the beginning, but there's a, I'll link this. Wall Street Journal, are airline credit cards worth it? Subheadline, getting extra miles and points through spending can be valuable. There are plenty of pitfalls. This article doesn't need a summary. You can probably guess what it is. It basically walks through, well, this couple use this card and this card, and then, well, they get, you know, they get free bags here on this airline and that airline, and, well, but when you get a companion pass, blah, 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 blah. I think it's perfectly fine if someone wants to, to sign up for one of these cards. Here's my warning on all this and it, it this has been a pretty common thread throughout my my life as a practicing financial advisor is the amount of brain space taken up by credit card programs is a problem because when I think of like the top five things people can do to move themselves forward in their financial picture I don't have credit cards in the top five paying off credit card debt would probably be number one but in terms of just maximizing credit card rewards, it is the free buffet at the casino. It just never have I heard a story. Hey, what, what, what was your secret? What? Here you are on on a beach. What what did you do? Well, I just played the credit card game effectively for thirty years, and here I am. Now, usually that's not the case. Usually something else is occurring. So, what do I like? I like people to get no-fee cards, meaning you're not paying any annual fee to these companies. And I don't like people spending their brain space on this stuff. I want you just to get a no-fee cashback card. Get, you know, you can get a 1.5% cashback, then I have like 2% cashback. And I, I, across all categories, and then be done. Be done. Be done with the credit card game. Uh, just pick them and be done. There are rare, rare, rare few people who can kind of hop around and it's fun, it's a hobby, fine, go for it. For most of us, it's going to be keeping keeping it simple. No surprise that's coming out of the RHF market, but just keep it simple. Don't, don't try to chase things. So 
As always, keep your cost low, keep your investments in, low, keep your time horizon low.